Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is powerful. Diversify your, uh, your investments into lots and lots of canned beans. Yeah, what about eating baked beans while just like fucking double fisting? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy, Corona Watch 2020 edition. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie and uh, COVID-fearing uh, human. And uh, uh, with me this week, as always, uh, for now, until he succumbs, is Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? <coughs> hey, Pat. How's it going? How's, how's quarantine going for you, friend? It's good. It's good. I mean, I went out to get some milk and, you know... Uh, produce. I I couldn't really find like you know how when you're just looking for that like perfect apple and you like you pick it up and it's not good so you have to put that one back and then pick up another one <laughs> and then that one's not quite good so you have to put that one back. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you end up you end up just basically being like balls deep in the apple display looking for the perfect one. Like I literally looked through. I I probably picked up. I, I licked a couple of them <laughs> and. Yeah, you gotta get the right lick feel. Yeah, I literally went through every single apple in that display. Not a single one was one that I wanted. So uh, really, yeah, I, wow. didn't, I didn't get any. I didn't get any. Hopefully, yeah, the other early, people who were in behind me, you know, they they have lower standards than me, so they probably found some apples. They early liked, poops so. on whatever grocery store that was. You gotta step up your apple game, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but other than that, quarantine's going great, Pat. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, we were just talking in the pre-show uh, about my existential dread uh, from coronavirus and how I am terrified to fly to Missouri in a week and a half and. Uh, Jerry's still trying to talk me into it, and I'm trying to say, Jerry, I have children. I have a you know a wife who has a, who need, who needs asthma medication. It could be real bad. And Jerry's like, "Buck up, pal. Just don't touch anybody, and you'll be fine." Yeah. So, Pat, it's not like you ever shake your opponent's hand, anyways. Like, it's true. I do just stare them in the eye and just like I just wait for them to concede to me, honestly, and then say, "Bad game," and then you know. <laughs> <laughs> pick up your stuff so exactly yeah, yeah exactly just, so. it's fine like uh dude it's it's super flu it'll be fine like yeah yeah it'll be fine it'll, don't, it's don't yeah, worry. i'm gonna tell you right now we're gonna make it into spring and summer just fine but it's gonna come back real bad in the fall yeah just like just like spanish flu did back in 1918 i mean the way i look at it is if this like if what they're saying is true and 80 percent of the population is gonna get it then it might as well be like chicken pox man you know, if everyone's gonna get it, you better get it sooner rather than later. I I don't know. If, I don't know if I completely agree with that logic, but we're gonna move on from there, and uh, <laughs> we're, gonna, uh, we're gonna start off with. Uh, well, real quick, uh, we know that Gaming Etc. is having their one K this Saturday. It's not an LAL Open. Um, so yeah, I get to Jerry play. Act- <laughs> yeah, we can actually play in it. So hell yeah, um, Jerry the- is locked into play. I am going to try to play. I'm definitely gonna be there if. If work doesn't offer us overtime again on Saturday, they offered us overtime last week for the first time in months. And so I, I you know, when work offers you double time on a Saturday, you just snap take that. Um, but if we don't get offered that this week, then I'm going to be at the Etsy event. And if, if we do get it offered, then I'm going to work and then I'm going to go to the Etsy event afterwards. So Jerry and I can go out for a beer afterwards and celebrate his uh, passing of his test that he's been studying for for months now. I hope so. If I look real sad and degenerate at this uh, that, this uh, <laughs> tournament, then, Pat, then everything's gone well. 
<laughs> then everything's then everything's hunky dory. Yeah, you know, I've only been studying for like the last three months straight yeah. for this. Oh, exam. yeah, that's yeah, that's like that seems actually like a pretty conservative estimate from like from the conversations we've had. Yeah, I mean, I've been studying for almost a year, but like seriously, like putting in twenty hours a week into studying. Is, is this the kind of test? That's the most work. I I don't think you do that much work for your job job, so that's impressive, but. Is this the kind of test that, uh, that like, you find out your score immediately after taking it, or do you have oh, to yeah. wait? Oh, yeah. It's like you hit that submit button, and you get the instant instant uh, news. Right. And you said that they only take a certain percentage of the of the people who get... So, like, it's uh, it's graded on the worst curve ever, because <laughs> it only lets in the top X percent of people who took the test, correct? Yeah, which I think is actually going to work in my favor, because I don't know if you've noticed the stock market, Pat, but it is in the shitter this week. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I don't have clients, but all the other people taking the exam have clients. Um, so I'm hoping, like, they're all super stressed about the market tanking, and they're all going to perform poorly like maybe that makes me a terrible person <laughs> i don't well here's the thing though is i don't imagine that people like you actually worry about their clients because you don't care what happens to the market you make money regardless so like it doesn't matter if if your clients are jumping out of their uh penthouse windows because they just lost all their money uh you guys still made that sweet sweet commish so uh you know it doesn't really matter. It doesn't quite work like that, but yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, um, we have also the uh, LAL Open 7 coming up on June 6th. Very excited for this one, Jerry. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, once my exam's over, I'm really going to ramp it up. I want to I wanna make uh, a video hyping this one up, Pat. That's that's my goal. I've been getting I've been getting into some video editing in my spare time, and yep. I, I want to make a hype video. Well, you know, I've been going back to the gym. I'm in I'm in the best shape I've been in in the last couple of years. Uh, I feel real good. I've lost a, a good amount of weight, and uh, I accept your offer to be the cam girl for your video. So oh, yeah, uh, um, wasn't extending that, but okay, we'll fit that in. I've wrapped my feather boa around my uh, <laughs> genital area, and I'm pretty excited. I'm re- ready to go, man. Okay, I'm engorged, right. and uh, yeah, well, let's let's do this oh, god jesus <laughs> uh so yeah maybe a video for the next sweet, one sweet legacy jerry maybe a legacy maybe a video for the next leaving legacy open then <laughs> uh yeah so this is gonna be our first two-day event uh we got day one swiss on saturday sunday main event top eight and there'll be a sunday event as well i believe Don't it's know- gonna be a bunch of duels events yeah which is like my those are my favorite events so Hell yeah when- uh, i'm really excited for this one so please please if you're interested in this one uh, I don't know if the Facebook event page is live for it yet, but if it is, please, uh, you know, spread the spread the word around and please, please show up for this one. We're kind of going out on a limb because people have asked for a two day event and we really need it to be successful to keep this series going. So please, please, if you if you're into it and this is what you've been asking for, show up and uh, and show out like you always do, because we love you guys and bring your yeah, friends, yeah. too. Like, don't <laughs> yeah, just show friends. up by yourself and be like, oh, I'm here by myself. My playgroup couldn't make it. Bring your friends. Bring your whole playgroup. Yeah. Speak, speaking of friends, Jerry, why don't you introduce the disembodied voice that just came <laughs> out on the screen for people? Friend. <laughs> we have returning to the cast because it has been far too long. Our favorite West Coast stone blade slinging buddy, Mr. Jordan, I, I can never say it. I, I, Asuka, Isaka. I, I, Isaka. Isaka. Yeah. Isaka. Oh, good, man. 
Beautiful. Man, I even pr- I even practiced before the show. And I <laughs> Did just, you though? Well, Did like, you? like I lo- I looked at the spelling, and then I realized that just looking at the spelling doesn't actually help with pronunciation. It's a weird one. <laughs> it's a weird one. It doesn't show up on this list of like standardized Japanese names. You know, it's a it's a. I get a lot of you. Who is this guy? Like, what what's what's he about? What's he doing? <laughs> well yeah welcome back man it's been too long uh i guess just uh when was the last time you were on was it two years ago it was it was probably right after gp seattle right? yeah that's right so it would have been april of of 2018 yeah I, so yeah been a while i pulled up my skype because that's how we we were recording it last time and the call was from april and i was like wow it's it's been a second you know the metagames changed <laughs> things are like like very different 2019 was crazy uh, for for legacy as far as like part predicts and stuff so yeah for sure for sure uh well i guess what uh what have you been up to in the last two years well let's see i've been i mean doing a little bit of doing a little bit of streaming you know doing a little bit of casting playing a little bit uh one of the things that i do have to say is you know my uh, local legacies turn or circuit has kind of changed uh pretty significantly and there used to be a, a it was called so the store in my area is called Card Kingdom. I'm sure there's a lot of people on the East Coast that are familiar with that store. Um, and they ran a legacy circuit where you could qualify for an invitational event. And that invitational event was every July. And unfortunately, they uh, the two tournament organizers that were at the Bellevue store and the store in Seattle they ended up moving on to other positions or you know getting released from the company unfortunately and so the they were the ones who originally came up with the with the series called the LPS which is the Legacy Preservation Series and the whole idea was to kind of preserve Legacy once uh, Star City Games who originally had a dominant control over a bunch of different Legacy events in all a bunch of different regions across the United States. They ended up pulling out so that the LPS came in and to kind of fill that void. And now that these two TOs have kind of moved on, they've kind of graduated to another uh, another style of, of tournament series where it's like just kind of like 1Ks or 3Ks whenever they feel like it, like whenever they can fit them in. And it's it kind of it, it's kind of too bad because it, there used to be a lot of you could expect a 1K every month potentially. Right, and so there, there was a consistency for you to prepare and to try to understand what the current meta was, and it kind of gave a little bit more incentive to grind weeklies because you can also qualify for the invitational through weeklies, and so that huge change in the in the tournament structure and and all of that stuff that the regional northwestern legacy scene has certainly changed, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's it's different now. Is all I can say. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, things change that it's just a na- the nature of life, um, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is, is good. Like you need you need to have the ebbs and flows. You need to, have to take the good with the bad, because that's what really makes you appreciate the good. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, do you feel like there's there's room for someone to step up now and kind of start something new in the area? Well, I actually, you know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because there is another store and it's it's strange to hear another store kind of championing and taking on these, you know, kind of these funky formats or these strange formats. But there's a, another store that kind of stepped in that was that wanted to ha- handle kind of a circuit-style tournament series, and they wanted to have, like, um, not, not necessarily Team Unified, but, like, a, a Team Trio event where you'd have, like, Legacy Modern and either Standard or Pioneer, as an example. And they would have, like, Canadian Highlander events and stuff like that. And these events would actually hit, like, 50-plus people, which is, like, pretty 
pretty insane for having kind of an oddball event firing every uh, every month. And so Legacy was kind of this uh, other uh, other tournament series that, that kind of kicked in, and, and now they've got what's called the Puget Sound Battleground that's going to be coming up, I think, here in in March. No, sorry, in May. Okay. This this month's March. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in May. And so that's actually really exciting for us because, you know, we're – um, we're kind of seeing a, a changing of the guard, so to speak, or just kind of just ebbs and flows of, of, of events that are available to us. And so when I, one of the things that I, you know, maybe spoiler alert, but we're talking about the 20K or the 40K or the 100K at the end of the year. And I think that to kind of go back to a grassroots movement is really where legacy came from, you know, right. where it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all about the community and these community supported tournaments and these community run events and, you know, you're playing for, it's cool when you're playing for cards. That's really fun. You know, when you're playing for cash, it's like, uh, okay, you know, I got to fill out a tax form if I was playing the Star City event or something stupid like that. Yo, don't even get me started. <laughs> I I had to file Watsy 1099s this year oh. and I was pissed. <laughs> so stupid. I mean, I, I understand why, right? You know, from, yeah. from that whole tax perspective. But, you know, just when you think about the, like, like legacy and, and the history of, of, of that style of, of magic, it kind of goes back and it's like way older than just like, hey, we want to pay you a thousand bucks for your for your top eight finish. You know? Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Uh store owners under the table is key. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Cash only please. <laughs> oh man. So. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's that's great. Uh, even though things are kind of changing up mm-hmm. a bit, that there's still uh, you know real big drive because you know Pacific Northwest has always been a really strong uh, legacy stronghold in the in the uh, community. Yeah, as far as you know, having you know we go ahead and broadcast our, our our weekly events every Monday, and then I think we have we broadcast modern events every Thursday. And from what I understand, uh, Card Kingdom is actually opening another store up in Portland. So there's some conversation around trying to figure out how to, you know, what what a tournament series would look like in the future, as soon as like the TOs get a better understanding for how to, how, you know, getting a run of things, as it were. Right. And I also feel like that's also kind of like one of the most frustrating parts of it is, you know, the legacy tournaments didn't dry up due to lack of interest. The legacy tournaments, you know, stopped because the people who organized it. Uh, didn't just have the time or resources yeah. to do it anymore, and that just that just really goes to show just how important TOs are to the legacy community. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, you know, you could have all the players in the world, but if no one has, you know, no one really takes on that labor of love to make the tournament happen, they won't happen. Yeah, you know, if I can get on my soapbox really quick, but the really quickly the uh, the, the the most successful things, you know, the three things you need to have a successful community are you need to have a player base. Right? You need to have interest in the players. You need to have a TO that can schedule the events. You need to have you need to have good judges. You know what I mean? Mm. You need to like when you're playing and there's officiating, they can't be they can't be too uptight. You know, they have to understand the player base and what the player base is all about. And the players have to understand that, you know, the, the, the TOs or the store, they have to make you know, they have to keep keep their lights on, right? It's not all about the best E V sometimes. Even though there's a lot of players out there that are playing for you know the expected value, really at the end of the day, if the store can't you know pay their you know pay their employees and, and make sure that they they get their own piece of the pie, 
you know, they, you got, they have to make sure that they get their own piece too. And the, yeah. the player base has to understand that, but they get a place to play. Yeah. And I, I feel that's probably the most overlooked part of it is the player base. I don't think realizes just, you know, what a cost judges are and what a cost quality judges yeah. are. Yeah. You know, people, people try and do the napkin math on their own and like, Oh, well they got this many in entry fees and they're paying this much in cash. They must be pocketing a boatload. And, what people don't realize is like a lot of that difference also just goes to paying the judge staff, paying mm-hmm. for the venue, yeah. uh, paying not just the judges, but the other employees, like the extra employees that you have to bring on the overtime yeah. and things like that. And yeah, it's like you're like quality judges is super important. Like I have, I've stopped going to certain LGSs in the past because of the judges that mm-hmm. were there, you know, either they were like, I almost feel like some like I get the same feeling from some judges as I do from some police officers where you're not a person of authority because you want to help people. You're in a position of authority because you like the authority you like <laughs> telling people what to do <laughs> like that. That I feel is the biggest difference between a good judge and a bad judge is a good judge is a judge because they want to help people. Mm-hmm. A bad judge is a judge because they want to tell people what they can and cannot. That's do. a great comparison. Mm-hmm. That is a great comparison. And good judges foster communities, right? So, one hundred percent. But you've also been uh, doing some streaming as well. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it was one of those things where I'm trying to uh, get back in and understand what the the meta game looks like. Um, I was absent for maybe about the the middle half of 20, uh, 2019. and when I kind of Stuck my head in to kind of look around and see what uh, what cards were being played. It was like, oh man, this Ren and Six card is really, really good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and you know, there's a lot of other cards that have been that really have been like breaking ground, and you're like, wow, that's powerful, and it doesn't look that strong, but it's good, you know. And certain colors are certainly are starting to start. You're starting to see the rise of of their playability in in, in Legacy too. So and I'm sure we're going to talk about those as. You know, we we talk about the the underworld breach card, man. Getting the abs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Before we get into that, uh, some of our listeners might not know you have a certain claim to fame. I'm wondering, do you still have the white border deck? <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, that 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 like sigh or that grunt. It's very reminiscent <laughs> of how just the general population feel about, uh, yeah, about those cards. Man, I, I do. I do. And the, the collection has grown in ways that I kind of wish that it hasn't, has, hasn't, I, you know, I went out and got Brazen Borrowers. And because I'm kind of a, oh. I'm kind of a psychopath, <laughs> I got the, uh, the, the limited print ones because I'm crazy. Oh. <laughs> I went out and got some other cards, too. You know, I... So tell our, our new listeners who might not have heard your, your older episode from a while ago, what what do you do to your cards? <laughs> well, I, I, here's the, it's a it's a it's more of like a ritual. It's like a ritual at this point. Um, you, you, it's like sacrificing. It's like sacrificing a part of your you know of your 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 magic being. If you were to think of like the hobby as a whole, you, you, I'm 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 paying a, a deep price. <laughs> and I'm sacrificing the whole I would like to exchange my cards for your cards part of the hobby and what I do is I take the border the nice, the black border and I just remove the black border from the card 
And <laughs> if you've ever seen a deck that has all the same border of a card, it looks really nice. Yeah, yeah, when that same border color is black. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got... Not when it's white. Born black border duels. You got foils, you know, OG foils, everything, like Mercadian Masks, Brainstorms. Man, I used to love that stuff. And then I, you know, uh, a couple of bolts got loose in my head, and I'm like, man, I, I'm never going to quit this game. I'm going to play it for the rest of my life. And I just went ahead and erased. I think the most intense part was I met, I met, um, who's that member from your community that was playing out in the Northwest? I can't remember his name. He was playing Stoneblade. Um, he had a fully foiled out deck. Anyways, we played, and I played like a my Winter Mishra's Factory, and it was whiteboard. And he's like, "Well, that's really intense, dude." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> I remember that day I went and got two more Winter Mishras, and I'm like, "I'm gonna whiteboard these." And he's like, "You're crazy, man." <laughs> uh, I remember I was at a I was at a GP or something, and I was looking at like a dealer booth. I'm like, "Oh, that's a." Uh interesting foreign white border uh foreign yeah foreign white border underground sea and the dealer just looks down at it sighs and goes used to be foreign black border (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's this i i don't know it it hasn't really been in the limelight as much i remember seeing more posts about it in the past but there's a there's a fairly decent sized community in the magic uh world of people who like white bordering their uh their decks yeah we were we're really weird. We're insanely weird. <laughs> and and yeah, so you so you basically you take like painter's tape, tape the card down, and then take what just like a regular eraser and just erase the uh, the black border until it's yeah, white. Yeah, if anybody out there is interested in doing this, the eraser. So we're gonna need to cut this. We're gonna need to cut this, Justin. <laughs> Don't spread the disease. The eraser is called a Tumbo Sand Eraser. It's the best one you can get. You can get them on Amazon. You got to be careful because if you push too hard you can damage your card i have a i have a blown i you know quote air quotes i have a blown up engineered explosives fifth dawn that was sad i was going i wasn't really paying attention and i slipped and i card exploded Uh (laughs) you can use your imagination to figure out what that means to a piece of cardboard but yeah there was a nice tear in that thing just yeah just like erased it and it just like the bindings (laughs) fell off price you pay man (laughs) Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I think probably, so my friend Dan had uh 12 posts that he white bordered candelabras and all. <laughs> wow. That even got, that even got Jordan's bro. <laughs> that that's tough, man. There's because those cards from antiquities are like, they're so rare, right? Like I saw a guy who had a white bordered vintage shops deck and I was like, "You're insane!" Like, I'm crazy, but this guy's like, this guy's like, out off the deep end, man. He's got like Mishra's workshops, and I'm like, "Dude, you gotta, you need to take it easy, man." White bordered Mishra's workshops, baby. <laughs> just, <laughs> just style it on him, right? And I had, I had a friend with uh, what is it, the Moon Stompy deck with the um, City of Traders that white bordered. It was pretty. Uh, yep. I will I will give it to you. There are some cards that it does look really nice on. Um like I think you have like a Legends Caracas that I think looks really nice. Thank you. Um there's but yeah, especially like the white cards obviously. You know, the the white border mm-hmm. on the white cards looks looks pretty I, good. I got these uh what's it called? Those Eurolands, the the Netherlands one with like the 
bridge and then like the all the different colors in the skyline. Uh, that if you ever see that in whiteboarder, it's pretty astounding. Like I was surprised myself at how nice it looked. And yeah, usually I'm just like definitely. I got my eyes closed, like why am I doing this? What have I done to myself? <laughs> Where is my sanity? Oh boy, yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I wonder. That's actually interesting. I want. I'm sure there's people who have done this before, but it would kind of be cool to just do an art replacement that way. Just like erase, erase the art, and then have an artist redraw your own custom art in the box. Yeah, actually, <laughs> funny you bring that up. I had a, a set of Forza wheels, and I took out. I mean, you know, I took out the the, the iconic artwork, and I had. You know, <laughs> well, I had I had the, the artist put in the uh, the judge uh, the judge artwork. Like, oh yeah, that's right. So you have the judge artwork in the old. Yeah, game. and it looks pretty. I had I had them. Somebody actually wanted them, which I thought was pretty strange, but I had them. Eh, pretty cool. I can I can yeah. see that. Nice. Uh, yeah. So been uh, still playing the Stone Blade on stream. Still doing uh, some commentary. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I mean, how how Stoneblade been for you in this meta? I feel like we haven't really seen much of it in top eight lists. Is is the meta really hostile to Stoneblade right now? Yeah, it's it's pretty bad, um, especially because a lot of the kind of magic that I like to play is like instant speed on the stack, and so yo, Teferi pisses me <laughs> off to no end. Everyone needs to stop playing Teferi. That thing is stupid. Like, all, your opponents can't play instants? Come on I mean, the, the big deck that was championing, we'll talk about it later, but I mean, I, I think it's like, it's a, it's a good card. Like, all of those Planeswalkers that they printed that have those static abilities, like the really, like the really obnoxious ones, like the really obnoxious ones are just like, dude, why is it a three-mana walker? Like, why am I having so much trouble? You know, you can you can name three really good three mana walkers that they made in the last year, right? Like Narset, Oko, and Teferi, and they're all really good. Three mana is the new four mana. Yeah, poor, <laughs> poor Jace. It's, fun, it's poor funny Jace. that you say that because really, it's true, right? And it it seems like I, mean, I haven't really seen decks that try to attack on this axis yet. But you know, if you were to try to jump the curve and go one to three with like Noble Hierarch or like a Mana Dork. Or, like, the weird Gilded Goose card that I, I, I randomly see in, like, actual decks, and I'm like, how is this being played? Um, but, yeah, I think that that's, there's, there's room out there for something like that, potentially. I mean, those cards are good. Yeah, well, I guess it's uh, this is a good time to shift into it. It looks like the meta will be changing up a little bit after uh, today's announcement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do we want to get into that now? Yeah, what happened today, Pat? Uh, yeah, and so, I'm not talking about your uh, gynecologist announcement. <laughs> oh, I was going to talk about that too, but all right, we'll go into we'll go into the uh, the bannings today. So uh, today, uh, Watsi announced that uh, they were banning uh, Breach from the Legacy format. Um, they said that uh, actually, I wish I had the exact article pulled up here, but I don't. But uh, the basically the announcement was just about um, you know. Uh, Breach has become a powerful player in the Legacy format, especially with when it paired with Lion's Eye Diamond, and generally they normally wait a few months to see how the format shakes out, but they, they kind of want to avoid, you know, Legacy being blown up by Breach, so they're banning it now uh, in kind of an abundance of, of caution, uh, just based on the power level of the card and what it's been able to do. Um, it's kind of an interesting banning, right? Because Breach hasn't exactly been like 
it hasn't been like a massive percentage of the paper meta games that we've seen. Like there's a few copies of it at the open that I don't even think we had any in the top. Do we have any in the top eight now that I, now I actually can't remember. There wasn't any in the top eight. I think there was one copy in the top sixteen. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that, so yeah, let's see. I'm looking at the open now. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, Jerry. Sorry, you're exactly right, Jerry. One copy of the top sixteen. If you wanted somebody to go and crunch the numbers on the win percentage of that deck, you couldn't have it because right. <laughs> because Watsy's like, we don't want that information out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. Double-edged sword, Watsy. Double-edged sword. Everyone's yelling at you because they don't have the information to see what its actual win percentage is. Whereas I bet, like, if Watsy came out and they're like, yeah, Breach has like a 90% win percentage on Magic Online. Everyone's like, okay, yeah, that's probably okay to ban. We, <laughs> we can get rid of that. Well, they don't want to They don't want to put the information out there, so they're kind of kind of in a, in a tough place there, right? Right, exactly. They're kind of dancing um, around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so they said it's been, but what, uh, I have the article now, but it said that it's became clear from the rising win rates that the cards interaction, uh, would remain problematic in legacy going forward. So it's interesting because there are a few people who have jumped on the breach bandwagon in legacy and now they're upset that the card got banned. Um, Rich Shea, who is, you know, one of our favorite people from the, from the local community and just an all around great guy. He is disappointed the card was banned, but he said he wasn't. He was on the dead format last week, I believe, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if it was banned just because of the how obscene the card is. Um, you know, did you guys think that it was a problem, or do you think that it's it, it's a problem on Magic Online and not so much a paper, or kind of where do you guys think that card is right now? Um, I'm totally fine with it being banned because I I think it's just one of those cards that probably shouldn't have been printed in the first place, or. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's one of those cards that they're going to be like, all right, this is fine for the format, then they need to unban a significant number of cards on the ban list as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, just like if this is allowed but other things aren't, then, like, what the hell, Watsy? But I'm fine with them nipping it in the bud. I personally hate the let people find out in the meta, blah, 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 blah. It's like, come on. Like, we can, we can see from a mile away when things are going to be a problem. And it's like, even if people can, you know change their decks and figure ways out to beat the card if it still shifts the meta in a way that's just really unfun and leads to unfun games then like i don't want to do that yeah <laughs> like, so it's interesting right because i i kind of was thinking about this today a little bit um you know we waited i felt like a long time for something to, to happen with miracles right it was miracles was the top deck the top dog for a long time obviously there was a much quicker banning to things like um uh, treasure cruise and dig through time. We took it took a while to get top banned. Uh, then it felt like it took took quite a while also to get death right shaman banned. Um, we saw the pro ban happen pretty fairly quickly after that. Or I think it was actually the same time as death right shaman. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was the same ban. Same yeah. Band so announcement. do you do you guys kind of prefer wizards sort of taking the more proactive approach, especially in a, in a format like legacy where um, you know. Because there are so there are so few events compared to other formats, where it makes sense to keep the format a little fresh. And do you kind of like them stepping into to keep the format, um, you know, fresh and rotating versus letting us quote unquote, you know, figure it out, play it out, you know, solve the solve the issue ourselves. What do you say, Jordan? I've got a pretty. Maybe I should let you go first because I I've got a really. (laughs) really like it's gonna take a long time for me to go through 
you know, all the different reasons <laughs> why. So maybe I'll let you go first. Right, <laughs> I'll, I'll be quick. Mine can be summed up pretty succinctly. I would say normally I wouldn't like it. I don't want Wizards to take a heavy hand for the format. But more than that, I want Wizards to stop printing so many stupid, broken, dumb cards. <laughs> and yeah. if they're going to keep printing so many stupid, broken, dumb cards, then yeah, I want them to be pretty swift with the ban hammer. Mm-hmm. In my ideal world, I would say Wizards would have a pretty hands-off attitude toward the meta, but also would stop... Laissez-faire. Yes, a laissez-faire uh, method with the ban restricted list, but I would also like them to stop, you know, just injecting dumb stuff into the me- into the meta. Yeah. How about you, Jordan? How do you feel? All right, so let's just talk about... You cited you cited two examples first, right? Top and Deathrite Shaman, mm-hmm. and Probe to a lesser... Ex- probe, probe, you know, that, I think that's a, a, a kind of a whole different card... And then there's like all these other cards that have been printed so far that have seen restrictions or, or seen bans and um, restrictions in vintage, of course, uh, for power level reasons. So with top and, and counterbalance top, you, I, I think that card, you know, that card combination has been around for a long time. Like external of legacy, right? Before it was next level blue, it was the Pat Chapin deck from like 2008 or something like that. I don't know. Um, and then after that, it was called Tarmo Top and Legacy, which was like a bug deck. It was really weird. Um, and then it wasn't until the Miracles got printed that, that like, those two cards really got powerful. I mean, being able to store a draw step and then instant speed terminus your opponent, like, pretty pretty sick, you know? And I thought that deck was, was you could you could play against it, and it had a really high ceiling as far as, like, execution. So if you were good, you'd win. And if you were bad, then and your opponent knew how to dismantle you, then you would never win. Right, so I was I was okay with it. Um, with Deathrite Shaman, that card steadily became like more and more powerful as soon as people understood exactly what decks it fit in and how good it was. And then at some point, it kind of everything kind of melted down into Deathrite Shaman, right? Kind of like at the beginning of Modern, everything kind of melted down into like these Wild the Cattle decks. And it's like, what deck are you playing? I don't know, but it's got Wild the Cattle in there, right? So there's there's kind of like two different trends to look at, right? So, Deathrite Shaman, I think those two experiences are, are, are a little different when you're trying to analyze those cards. But when you look at, like, other, like, the cards that have been recently printed, um, you know, we would name all those Planeswalkers, um, uh, Oko, Narset, Teferi, Underworld Breach. And the reason why I think you're not getting a lot of adoption from the paper perspective is people just... They look at those cards and they look at the previous printings and like, dude, I'm not going to go out there. If I'm a Jeskai player, why would I ever own Lion's Eye Diamond? Like, I could never imagine owning that card or seeing it useful unless I was playing like Painter or something. And so I would never just have them or own them. If I was like a Legacy player and I had the whole um, the whole stack of Legacy, well, then I'd probably have like $30,000 in, in cardboard and I should maybe rethink my life decisions, decisions right? <laughs> but when it comes down to, like, looking at the cards that they've just made, I always thought that Watsi was relatively... They didn't like when people would complain about their formats. They're like, just live with it, dude. Just live with it, especially Legacy. And, and what's happening now is that they print cards and everybody complains, and then they're like, okay, we'll ban that. And you're like, no, no, no. We want to be more inclusive with our formats, right? And we just want you to make smarter decisions when you're making cards. Just, just like Jerry, Jerry said, and I think it's okay if cards over time eventually see the hammer, like Gitaxian Probe and, and Deathrite Shaman and Sensei's Dividing Top. Like that's fine, but 
when you start just like making cards and then the format just like continu continuously like changes significantly, right? Like it's it's unfortunate, and I just kind of wish that they made more, you know, more better decisions about how their like their card printing process works and and how it, the other formats that it, it impacts. It certainly didn't feel like it took long for Ren and Six to take over, right? I mean, that card was kind of a menace in the format for for a minute, and then it was pretty quickly banned. And Underworld Breach seems like it had even less time uh, to do its thing and be a powerful. I mean, it wasn't even like I don't even think it was as pervasive as as the Ren and Six decks were uh, before it got the ban hammer. So it's almost like they're trying to be pro, you know, pro, like more proactive with the ban hammer now. And I'm not, I'm just not sure how I feel about it, to be honest with you. Like it's, it definitely seemed like Underworld Breach was an extremely powerful card. I don't know if it was worth getting banned at this point, but um, you, know, you know, it's just interesting. They're almost like forcing <laughs> this, uh, you know, it almost feels like a rotating format in this eternal format kind of league, right? Yeah, that is weird. A weird feeling. Um, and I don't know when I when I looked at Breach, it kind of felt. And I don't know if you guys were around for this era, but when when Flash Hulk was running around, it was like so insanely powerful, right? It was just mm -hmm. like you would play against it, and you'd have a plan, and then you lose. And obviously, you know, we have more information now than we did back then, um, right? But it's just like you're you're playing against this deck, and it's like not. Just like Jerry said, not fun. You're not really have. You sit down and you go, "Oh, okay. I know he's playing a breach deck. Okay, here he comboed me. I bring him all my hate. He combos me again. All right, next yep. game, next match." Yep. Yeah. Not the ideal way to play the game, and it, it's you know part of part of the other thing too. I think that's kind of since legacy players are a little more sensitive about it as well is that because our opportunities to play in paper especially are so few and far between like when we come to the format i think we want it to feel like it's more wide open than solved and that's i think it's a difficult a difficult thing to achieve in a non-rotating format like legacy when there's just there's just you know the most powerful cards available outside of vintage so yeah uh it's yeah it's it's, it's interesting I, I again i kind of have two minds about it like i i do like letting the the legacy metagame breathe a bit and letting us solve our own problems because we do have such a deep card pool and there are answers to most of the stuff out there. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm going to this 20K in a week and a half, likely, and never to return again, apparently. But, uh, you know, I want to make sure that when I go, it's 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 going to be a fun metagame and that, you know, one of my few chances to play Paper Legacy, and especially a large Legacy event, is not going to be ruined by by Watsy's terrible design decisions, right? Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where my head's at in that, in that sense. And, and I do think that there is, like, some nice evolutions that can occur, like, when, when certain cards get printed and it kind of enables certain decks to be powerful. Like, I think a good example is... Um, with uh, Bale of Summer getting printed and it kind of allowing, you know, the, the sneak and show, you know, that, that sneak and show deck to kind of have a, a, a brother, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Eureka Show, which is like a really sweet deck, you know, when you think about accessing Eureka, a card from Legends from a long time ago, and all of the different design elements and, and things that kind of go hand in hand with, with being able to discover and use a new color. I'm not saying that I really like the design of um, a Veil of Summer, but I do think that it kind of gives you the opportunity to, to think about magic in, in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious how many cards from like the latest sets are going to end up being eventually too strong for the format. Mm -hmm. They've had just so... It just feels like they've had so many uh, bans and possible bans in the last like year or so that I'm, I'm just curious what that 
where that kind of kind of speaks where we're going to be in in six months or a year from now and how how strongly Wizards is going to be pushing the envelope uh, from here out. Yeah, and you know, it, I think the other difficult thing is WotC. In order to get people interested in playing the game, they have to make powerful cards, right? Of course, they have yeah. to print cards that make the game interesting and dynamic to play. But one of the things I think is really interesting is if you look at Watsi's development so far from like a card design perspective. I mean, when the, when was when was the last time they had like a real bread and butter style um, corset? And by bread and butter, I mean like I want creatures with like no text on them, <laughs> right? I want like yeah. a creature with an ability that like I want it with flying, and then it to give me text that says what flying does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I appreciate cards like that. Sometimes. <laughs> but it's just like you want you 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 would love for there to be kind of like there needs to be a simpler version, right? You can't everything just can't have a giant wall of text and like hey, it does like thirty three different things and it impacts all these different zones in the game, right? What is that like questing beast that has like all that crazy text in there that most people like? I think I think I've I've heard Ian say he forgets half the abilities in that card sometimes because it just has so many things in there. Yeah, I remember I was reading the card and I was looking for a drawback. I remember I was I started at the top. I remember I was looking at the card. And I'm like, oh wow, this looking looks really cool. I wonder. And I'm like reading it. And I'm like, okay, like upside. You get the next line. Upside. Upside. I get to the bottom. I'm like, is that a drawback? And I'm like, oh no. You can't block with power two or less. Okay. It's just really good. It's just really good. Do, do you think that part of this is like the... All right. I'm going to... This might, I might catch a little flack for saying this because I'm not a limited player, but it's like the arenaization of, of cards, like trying to make them... Uh, like the, the powerful cards be very easy to spot which ones are good in draft and which ones are good to play like in general. And, and the bad cards are very easy to spot the bad cards. Do you think that's like they're trying to... Um, sort of flatten out the curve, so to speak, when it comes to, like, learning the game? Man, I've got... My my whole my whole belief on the reason why the power level has, has, has upticked and, and how they're trying to, you know, make it so you don't have access to tournament results, that all kind of falls in line with, like, my, my tinfoil hat belief about Watsi. Mm-hmm. And that's... They're taking this game that... You know, if you were to play Magic back in the '90s, you were like a societal reject, right? Totally, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're they're yeah. taking. Look at Jerry. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like oh, that person in the time capsule. He wasn't even. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, you know, you know, and if you look at Magic, right? Magic is for the nerds and the dorks, right? Magic is, you know, Magic is for these people that you know they they don't they don't they don't. I mean, not that. I really mean this, but they don't go out to bars and, and they don't have girlfriends and all this other stuff, right? And that's what that's what magic's for, right? You know, it's supposed to harness this whole side. And then I think what really happened was people realized that, okay, it's it's a really interesting and fun game to play and you can kind of throw out all that BS about it being a fantasy game or whatever or for nerds or whatever. And being a nerd kind of became cool. So magic became cool. And then really what ended up happening was Watsy just became like super corporate about how they approach things. And and you know why you know why that happened? Cuz Hasbro realized that nerds have lots of disposable income cuz they don't spend it on dates. That that is actually like an, an incredible like that is a, a really like, important I say thing. that tongue in cheek but there is some truth. It, there is some truth, absolutely, because of the you know what I mean? And so, you know, when I when I think about the direction of the game, I, I really just kind of see the game morphing towards this more like corporate you know this corporate system that makes money 
And it, it, it's sad because when we think about the game, we romanticize about, you know, those old formats and the old border cards and, you know, not to be like my, you know, the get off my lawn kind of guy. But yeah, man, I would love to see a, a turn back to, you know, old, old, old school style magic. I don't know, whatever that looks like. I just don't want to read a freaking card that has a wall of text and it's all upside, okay? I want my drawbacks. Yeah, for real. Getting all excited over here. <laughs> well, it's just, I guess it's also just a kind of a case of power creep. Like, it happens in every game. It's not just unique to Magic. Like, any game that lasts too long, eventually the power creep is, yeah. uh, you know, going to overcome. They they get they just got to take a page out of Dragon Ball Z's book, man. Dragon Ball Z's book. You just deal with power creep by just uh, just keep raising the bar so much that you don't notice. That's great. <laughs> What's so it's crazy, crazy though is that you know now the cards are starting to creep in versus like a lot of the historical cards that like were unassailable, right? Like the Force of Wills. I mean, like at what point are they going to make like one blue draw three? You know, <laughs> I wonder if that'll ever happen. Ever happen. Yeah, which is why the reserve list wouldn't be that big of a deal if it wasn't for the dual lands. Like, really, when people complain about the reserve list, they're really complaining about dual lands. And that's just because you can't really make something more perfect than a dual land. I mean, obviously, wizards could come out and print tri-lands, but I think that would just be the end of it. <laughs> that would be... Yeah. That would be really absurd. Unless they all came into play tapped or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, even then, it's like those wouldn't be a replacement for dual lands. Like, uh, like in my mind, the only thing I can picture that would ever replace dual lands is something that's too good to ever really exist without, like, fundamentally changing the format. Yeah, or changing magic as we know it, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh. So, yeah, what can you do? What can you do? We're all doomsayers over here, talking about the end of days. Yeah. Maybe maybe the old school guys really had it figured out. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't think we're anywhere near, anywhere close to that yeah. eventuality. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's the same way. It's like, yeah, I mean, eventually we're going to reach the heat death of the universe, but it's going to be a ways away. Yeah, and I think that the, the one thing, the one constant thing about Legacy, like the one beautiful thing about the game is you can still play your pet cards, right? Like you can still play, you don't necessarily have to go out there and grab, you know, X tier one deck. You can still go out there and play the cards that you like. I mean, there's a lot of good examples like uh, Chase Hansen or Strifo on MTGO. He consistently brings like these really bizarre cards to the table and you're like, oh man, this guy can make anything work. Like he could have a ham sandwich and you're like, man, he's winning with that ham sandwich right now. So, you know, one of the things I do want to talk about is these the 20k, the 40k, and the 100k that you guys got coming up. Or I guess not that you guys have coming up, but I mean, it's in St. Louis, right? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that. And I guess potential predictions. Yeah, so we have the tw- St. Louis 20k next week. Uh, I'm all set. I'm actually going to be playing the uh, blue green Eureka Tell at the 20k i was actually i was before i committed i was waiting to see if uh veil of summer was going to get banned <laughs> today and since veil dodged the uh band announcement I'm, I'm locked in yeah i think uh, i i ran into you with my stream on oh you're <laughs> streaming then <laughs> <laughs> and i remember just going like uh-oh we're about to get absolutely demolished here <laughs> yeah you tapped for double green and i was like uh-oh 
Yeah, I I, uh, I appreciate it because you can you helped convince me of the importance <sighs> of Eureka in the deck because <sighs> you went you went turn two meddling mage and I'm like he's probably gonna name show and tell here. And I'm okay with that. So I let the meddling mage resolve, and you name show and tell. I'm like, okay, pass turn. Uh, you're re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like looking at my hand, and I'm like, hmm, this pyroblast really bad. <laughs> like, oh, okay. mm. I so I ha- so I was debating uh, forcing the meddling mage because obviously meddling mage naming show and tell in an omnitel list is pretty backbreaking. Yeah. But I was actually just like, no, nah, I have this eureka in hand, and I have double green up with an with like a city of traders, so. I'm actually just fine with letting that resolve and keeping this force of will to protect my Eureka. Yeah, you know, one of the things about that Breach did, in obviously the format changes now, but one of the things that Breach did was it caused people to kind of move away from trying to hate out, um, like, Black Red Reanimator and stuff like that. Like, I, I cut all the containment priests from my sideboard. And so when it comes time to, like, battle and your opponent's playing show and tell, it's like, uh, based off of meta decisions, I don't have access to my cards. And seems like a reasonable choice right now yeah uh, and actually it put up two copies so i first got on the deck when it put up two copies in the top eight of the leaving a legacy oh yeah and like it was on it was on camera all day because both copies were you know at the top of the table the entire day um so i think we had it on camera maybe like three or four times in swiss and then also in top eight so uh, i really got to see just how powerful it was and I gotta say, it was a breath of fresh air because I think blue red sneak attack is actually just not very good right now. Yeah, um, I think that'll change uh, with breach getting banned. But like sneak and show always runs the difficulty of like whenever there's a really powerful um, combo deck in the meta and it's not sneak and show, sneak and show just ends up catching all of the extra flack because sneak and show is just kind of usually the the combo deck that's a turn or a turn slower than the most popular de- combo deck in the meta. Yeah, and usually it's got like good resiliency and it can attack a couple different ways, you know, and it can it can like combo a couple different ways, which is what makes the deck like so interesting to like to watch. You can build it, you know, the the cunning wish versions, or you can build it straight blue red, or you can build it to kind of favor om- omniscience and stuff. So it's a it's a diverse deck. It's got a whole family. Yeah, I mean. There's the blue, the blue black Omnitel version, which kind of got replaced by the blue green. Because I mean, one of the big reasons why you would run blue black was for Thoughtseize and Baleful Strix, which were <laughs> huge additions to the deck. But now, on Veil of Summer and also Ice Fang Coatl, <laughs> yeah, like both of those were huge. And now there is, I mean, now blue black Omnitel never got super popular. But now there's just no reason to do blue black Omnitel because. Mm-hmm. Vale takes the Thoughtseize slot, and then Icefang Coatl takes that uh, Baleful Strix slot. And that Icefang Coatl has won me so many games. Can I tell you the number of times uh, an opponent has, like, swung in with a Revoker, and I've flashed in Icefang Coatl to kill it? (laughs) Oh, man. uh, I've, like... Like people like swing in with their hate bears because they're not expecting it. Like I, I had like show and tell omniscience in hand, but my my opponent had a Kozali Pride Mage in play, and then he just goes like, "All right, attack with Kozali Pride Mage." I'm like, "Okay, flash in Ice Fang Kawato, Pride Mage, show and tell Omnitel. Yeah, <laughs> ambush Viper. I ambush Viper. There you go, man. Draw a card. It's pretty sick. It is, it is, which is why it's so freaking expensive. Those things are getting close to $40. What is happening? 
Like I have to keep buying extra cards for it because my <laughs> rental service, like my rent, it's like you've hit your max. I'm like I'm literally playing the same list I was playing last week. How did I hit my my max? And then I see like Ice Fang Coatl's gone up another like two or three bucks. Man, here's the thing. Think if you had to get those and then whiteboarder them. <laughs> you know, like whenever they make new cards, and I'm like, oh, I have to get that because that like falls in line with the style of deck that I play, which is you know aggro control basically. Uh, speak, speaking of, I'm just going to do a quick public service announcement. If anyone is going to the St. Louis 20K and has foil Vela Summers or foil Ice Fang Coatles they want to let me borrow, I would appreciate it. Going for the <laughs> I really don't want to shell out like $300 for foil for a play set of foil veils and a play set of foil oh my Ice Fang Coatles. <laughs> Come on, Jerry. Come on, it's, Jerry. That's nothing compared to the winnings you're going to take away from that tournament. Well, who cares? Yeah. Uh, when you put it that way, it's like investing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh but yeah so speaking of the 20k um uh jordan you want to talk about that the uh the 20k uh the 40k and now jeremy just announced a 100k coming up yeah that's crazy that is insane like that dwarfs any any legacy event that's ever happened i think like I mean, I think it's in it's you can count it on a single fingers the number of times there's been a magic tournament that big. That's a very good point. I I think if this if this hits like huge attendance like I didn't even know this was an event, I'm probably gonna go now. Yeah, well I like the details haven't like Jeremy's just been hinting at it, but yeah, he announced a hundred K coming up. I mean basically like you gotta you gotta be ready. Like that's like once in a lifetime. Oh, I've never seen an event like that in my life. You right. know, in, in all the years that I've been playing, and I, I think how how good of a way would it to be to show up to show to show up Watsy and be like, "Hey, you guys, cut this from your Grand Prix circuit. We're gonna go and have <laughs> our party over here with drugs and hookers." And oh my you're... god, it sounds so much better <laughs> with space hookers, space hookers. <laughs> yeah. with blackjack and space. <laughs> Right, I mean that's just that's basically what it says. It's like you're we're we're telling Watsy, hey, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna host an event, we'll host one. You know, the yeah. legacy community will host one and and, <laughs> and blow it out. Even yeah, it'd be great. It's insane. Well, that's also the other thing is like so the last couple GPs, like the standard GPs, were pulling in like four hundred people for a standard GP, and then the forty k sold out of its two hundred and fifty slots. And also had a 500 person wait list within within like three hours of the event going live. Yeah. And this is six months before the event even was going to happen. <laughs> like, it's it's just insane. I mean, so. like they. It, it's tough because the format that Watsy has to push is standard. They have to push it. Right. They have to yeah. print new cards and keep people interested in the cards they print. But really, like when it comes to understanding what their like older community likes the ones that actually will will go out and spend the money for like their shiny products and all this stuff it's like you guys you should be in touch with what's happening you know you should at least have somebody that has communication with with somebody from from somewhere you know Mm -hmm. i I would like to think and so it's it's kind of funny to see that these grassroots movements are the ones that are kind of taken over but really you know it, it just kind of goes to show how strong the legacy community really is right it's like how robust it is it's like okay 
you know, we're losing Star City. Star City's not hosting these big events anymore. All right, someone's going to step forward and, and take the torch. Yeah. Well, it was the one-two punch, really, losing Star City and then losing the GPs. Like, yeah. I think people finally, like, we all saw the writing in the wall a ways away. And I don't want to I don't want to bad talk Star City games at all because I do truly believe Star City games kept the legacy circuit alive for a long, as long as possible and a more selfish company probably would have pulled the plug on the legacy circuit you know well before then. yeah that's true um but like i it's still just the fact that like losing those two uh you know consistent uh venues uh definitely it was what pushed people to really kickstart the grassroots movement again which i'm really happy to see is you know taken off like now, I there's there's too many events, Pat. Like there are. I'm, getting worried, I'm getting worried about the leaving of legacy events because like we're looking for dates and we're like, nope, too close to this one. Yep. Nope, too close to this one. Too close to yeah, this. Yeah, you don't one. want to run into like player fatigue from from traveling. And yeah, stuff. exactly. Like I'm starting to worry about oversaturation of legacy yeah. tournaments in in the in the community right now, which is insane to think about. That this is what our <laughs> concern is. Totally. Is guys, we have too many legacy tournaments. Yep. There's another 40k. Someone else posted that on the. Uh, Leaving a legacy yeah, I don't know Facebook how card. I don't know how legitimate that is. I don't know anything about that person, but if there's another, if there are two, if there's a twenty k, two forty k's, and a hundred k legacy event this year, plus that's, one or two more LAL like, opens, it's kind of insane, that's, right? That's just it's too many k's. The biggest year for legacy ever, it's right? Just, it's right. too many k's. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome though. That, that I mean, like proud, proud that that's where the uh, the format is from like uh, tournament organization or tournament organization standpoint. Um, yeah. It, and that's not even saying like all the other like regional ones, yeah. like because uh, there's also the Arizona tournament coming up. Pat, do you have? Uh, oh yeah, we told we need to rep the Arizona tournament because they have that coming. Oh up yeah, soon. let me uh, hold on. Let me pull up the uh, Facebook message here. You know, and it it, it kind of gets you know from a a play, some a player who's thinking about the community. It kind of gets a little dicey too because you're like, man, you really want these events to be huge hits. Like, mm-hmm. I would love for there to be a hundred k legacy event every year. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And like, so when you think about it, you're just like, okay, how in the world can I get like, not just myself over there, but like myself and like my entire community of players, like 300 players, (laughs) you know, I'm thinking like 300, (laughs) here's what's going to happen. We're going to get a bus. We're going to get two buses. All right. Yep. (laughs) Like you said, bring your friends, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Honestly, like step up, like the TOs organize it, but that like you can be like a smaller version of a TO just with your friends. Right. Like if you're That's the guy who point. organizes the ride, organizes the hotel, you know, just like make it easy for your friends so that they'll come to these events with you. And that's what it really comes down to. I know we're all busy, but if you kind of share the load and help each other out with uh, with the planning, that goes a long way. You know what, you know what's a perfect example of that? There's these guys from uh, British Columbia, right? From Vancouver up in Canada and they always have a car like every time there is like they always have representation every time there is a Canadian Highlander event every time there's a legacy event these dudes always like pack at least two cars and they bring like 10 people and sometimes they're like a reasonable percentage of like the 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 player base at some of our our 1k's or our 3k's you know and we're so like it's awesome to kind of see that you know, if, if that, you know, and people come from Portland up to, to Seattle and they just kind of make a whole weekend out of it, right? And it's so much more, I mean, the, the kind of the, the main event is focused around playing Legacy, 
but it's kind of extends past that when you go out to get food after and they go out and sightsee a little bit, you know, they can be this whole like, you know, legacy, like legacy is the reason why you're, you're headed there, but you're also going to go ahead and do all the additional things, right. That you would want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can honestly say I probably would never go to St. Louis in my life if it wasn't for magic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, now you're going to go there and look up like good places to eat and good places well, to hang out. Is, like, I, yeah, I would never think to go to St. Louis. And then Jeremy was sending us like all these like cool things that like the what was it the uh, adult museum? That sounds really bad when I say it out loud. But it's, the, <laughs> it's like the adult museum where it's basically just like a science museum, but for adults. Like they have like a, a three story spiral slide that you can slide down, and like all sorts of other cool stuff. Um. So yeah, I mean, you like you'll go to new places because of magic and like places you probably never would have gone to on your own. And there's just a ton of stuff out there for you to discover. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic, honestly. You guys came out to to Seattle, Jerry. You came out to Seattle. Yeah, exactly. That was that was like magic was the reason why I flew across the country for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um. All right. Do we want to get into Ben's cryptic message real quick before we wrap it up? Oh. Real quick before I forget, though, we got to rep uh, the Arizona guys. So also oh, yes, on March, yes. March, Mar- March, March fourteenth. Yep. So this Saturday, day after this episode comes out, uh, the Phoenix Gaming Lounge in Phoenix, Arizona, is doing a uh, Legacy One K, and they are streaming it. Yeah, so. Twitch.tv slash Arizona Magic. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, so if you're looking to watch some uh, Legacy action this Saturday, give those guys a checkout because I'm sure it's going to be so good, t- good times. Absolutely. Um, all right, so we had uh, before we wrap it up here because I am on a tight schedule tonight. But we did have Ben Bel- uh, Blaweiss, 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 uh, Bellweiss, Star City yeah. Ben uh, <laughs> at Star City Ben. He mess he uh, tweeted out today um, on Friday, March thirteenth. You will believe the capital W I L L. You will believe a reserve list can be abolished. Um, so (laughs) looking to wildly speculate what this is about, although one person did reply, Robert H. Wilson did reply, um, talking about a theoretical end to the reserve list could be from Hasbro's, you know, Hasbro stock being so battered by coronavirus slash bull market. Uh, and Ben said, this is not the direction he's taking his article and he's not into clickbait as well. So take that as you will. But, uh, my gut feeling is that, uh, they are. I, I, you know, actually, I don't. He's just going to have an, uh, an article arguing for the the, the repeal of the reserve list for, with a bunch of lawyers. Uh, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think this is all about. Uh, I'm going to do my tinfoil hat, which is also like my best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I want to say best case. I think because it could also just be catastrophic, and it will definitely be interesting. But my tinfoil hat theory is Star City Games is going to announce that they're going to bring back the Legacy Circuit, but allow proxies. Hmm. Mm. I would love that for a fee, of course. For yeah, a fee. <laughs> I, I don't know, but here's the crazy thing: is you know, like Wizards of the Coast has like really like gone out there and been like, we don't like. We don't like proxies. We don't like, you know, don't don't play, you know, because they have to, they're battling this whole like um, all those the fakes that are coming in from China, right? The counterfeit cards, and that's like a huge thing that they're like up against as far as you know understanding how people are just going out and purchasing that and trading with other people inside their communities, and it's like super toxic and bad for the community. Um, but it's. Man, you know, I think when I'm trying to, you know, quote unquote, read the tea leaves, as it were, 
and I look at this, uh, the one thing that sticks out is the Wizards Premium hashtag. It's like, okay, or sorry, SCG Premium. It's like, all right, are you going to put a paywall up? Are you really just kind of doing this to, to get people to try to, you know, subscribe to your service or whatever? But I also think it's interesting because he's also adding uh, Wizards Magic, and it's like, like, what exactly, like, what conversations did you guys have? Or, you know, I would love... Personally, I think everybody would love to see the the reserve list abolished, mm -hmm. and to see more people playing Legacy, if at all possible. Right? It would be nice if they could if if Watsi was more lenient and let people use proxies, but I don't. You know, I have a hard time. Like they're so stubborn as far as I want. I want wizards to come out with official proxies like i feel that solves all the issues you increase the number of cards out there like make them gold bordered like make gold border cards legal and then print a bunch of gold border cards it preserves the original printings the original printings hold value as collector's items and the increased printings allows people to play with the cards and play the formats they want to play and wizards can still sell these and make the money that they want to make off. Yeah, of it. yeah, that all that all sounds very reasonable. Can I can I pitch another idea? Yeah, sure. Can I just say they need to just repeal the reserve list cards uh, on a uh, random basis <laughs> by having a kinda large like, tumbler like of ping pong balls with individual Pochinko card style. names written on it, and they 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 twirl it around like they're playing bingo, and they pull out a ball every quarter, or you know, pull out maybe five balls every quarter, and those cards are uh, off the reserve list. Say they give they give like. You know, people like an eighteen-month window to sell off what they want if they want to, uh, and then after eighteen months, they are free to print those cards, whatever they may be. So I don't know how many cards are on the reserve list. It's probably like a, a couple, you know, maybe like five no, or six hundred. You you don't give people the eighteen months doesn't matter because the prices are going to change. It's going to get priced into the format instantly. I tried to tell you this last time. You brought up this harebrained scheme. It's not a harebrained scheme. It's probably the most. I think everyone who's talked to me about it says, "Pat, that's genius, and you should patent that idea." And I'm like, "No, I want <laughs> this free. I want them to just idea. take the idea. Take it." Pat, talking to yourself in the mirror before you go to work does not ta count as talking to <laughs> everyone so about this. so pumped up, Jerry! <laughs> uh, sure, sure, we can do that, Pat. Yeah, who, who really knows? You know, it, it's so hard to really know what this means. Um, I just, I guess, I mean, Star City's always been kind of out on, on their own as, as, a, as, a, as their own entity, right? Um, they're the ones who kind of really brought a lot of attention to Legacy, and kind of were the torchbearers of that. And, you know, if they can come up with, with something great that gets the attention of Watsi, that would be awesome. But, really, we are at the mercy of our, uh, I guess, corporate overlords these days. <laughs> you know? So, should we wrap it up, Pat? We should, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm running short on time myself here anyway. Um, all right, well, first of all, uh, Jordan, thanks so much for coming on this week, man. It was great to have you. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always Absolutely. good to sit down and talk with you guys. Yes, for sure. Um, Jerry, uh, let's do scoops and poops before we get out of here. Scoops? There you go. Hey, Jerry, uh, who do you want to scoop in top eight this week? Uh, I want to scoop Jordan because I am so happy that we just ran into each other playing uh, Magic Online the other night because I realized we haven't talked in forever, man. So thanks so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. For sure. And, any poops? Uh, coronavirus because... <laughs> Uh, my portfolio gun went down a lot, Pat. Yeah. 
Let's just say today's gonna this year's gonna be another year in which my magic portfolio outperforms my stock portfolio. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. You should have been like me, Jerry, and diversified your uh, your investments into lots and lots of canned beans. <laughs> Yeah, Pat's basement full of bullets and beans is his new uh, new portfolio. Yeah, I mean, bullets and beans might might be my my rap uh, album when I come out with one. <laughs> yeah, con- country rap uh, or or I guess you know what it could be is like a a gastro pub slash gun hall. That'd be kind of cool too. <laughs> bullets and beans. You, you you eat your can of beans and then you put it on a uh, uh, pedestal and you try and shoot it off. Yeah. The pedestal. What about eating baked beans while? Just like fucking double fisting like AR-15s. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> I think I can convince Ian to come hang out with me at this uh, this this Bean Emporium yep. slash gun hall. Sounds about right, Pat. Yeah. Sounds about Should right. Be pretty sick. Ian, if you're into this idea, let's uh, let's let's draw it up, man. This sounds like a really uh, interesting uh, business uh, idea. <laughs> Jordan, who you want to scoop into top eight this week? I'd like to scoop in uh, Dylan Jupp. He's a TO from the store Geek Fortress. He's the one who's kind of out here trying to revitalize or push a lot of tournament formats that are interesting and different. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his and what he does for the community and just kind of how he's always been a, a good guy and a good uh, good store owner. So really excited about him. Nice. Any poops? Oh, man. Cor- coronavirus. <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> You know, it, you know, because I'm, I'm actually like work. My whole uh, company is working from home, mm-hmm. and my whole company is uh, Boeing commercial airplanes. So oh, wow. <laughs> we're all working from home. Jeez, a lot of stuff going on in that industry right now. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. But you know, it's it's all over the the Northwest too. I know that like I think Amazon and uh, and Google they're all working from home too. So it's uh, it's hitting the Seattle area kind of crazy. That's wild. Well, I hope you stay safe out there, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate it course uh any poop oh i guess that was your poops uh let's see uh my scoop i'm gonna scoop you in jordan i'm gonna scoop you in jerry thanks so much for hanging out this week guys it was great to have talk to you um and my poop is also the coronavirus i think this is the first time we've had all three uh people on the show poop on the same thing so that's pretty exciting um and jordan if people want to follow you i know you do some streaming as well do you want to shout that out here yeah if you guys want to go go ahead and check out my stream it's twitch.tv uh backslash Isoka MTG. That's A I S O K A M T G. Awesome. And Legacy. Do you do any any other formats? Uh, just that one for now. Maybe if you want to count cube, cube draft. But yeah, man. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, all the stuff that we do. You can find uh, again. Follow uh, follow Jordan uh, at Isoka MTG on Twitch. Uh, you can follow the cast at LALMTG. Follow Jerry at JMEE3RD. I'm at Pat Uglo. Our stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. Uh, support the show on Patreon. It's a huge help for us. It's patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Uh, you can find us on Hipster the Coast. Thanks to them. Join the Facebook group. Uh, you can email Jerry directly, leaving a legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. And of course, want to shout out our uh, our awesome editor, Justin Lutz. He's our audio tech, our sound engineer. He, uh, you know, twists the knobs and, uh, I don't know, also, like, makes sure that Jerry doesn't sound like a complete asshat. And he edits me to, like, sound fairly coherent, so I appreciate that as well. And I heard he's, he's just, like, a, a great editor. So just a, I just want to give him, like, a real shout out this week, like, a, like a, an honest, earnest shout out. So thanks, Justin. 
I for a second I got really like concerned, Pat, because as is tradition, we always end the episode with some outlandish claim about Justin, yes. and you just ended with he's just a really good uh, editor. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's the most backhanded uh, comment ever. <laughs> uh, no, no, just uh, I want to give him a real, a real shout out this week, man. He's been, he's, he's absolutely clutch. So I, I appreciate what he does for us. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Uh, also, oh, also, he's he, uh, uh, his. You know, did he ever tell you about what his first job was out of college? What? What was it? Ben? Uh, he was employed by this really wealthy guy to just be a human ottoman. So he had to like uh, like kneel around this guy's house all day, and just, like wherever he sat, he had to like run and like get underneath his feet so the guy could put his feet up on him. Weird, right? Yeah, yeah. No way. Uh, I'm calling BS. <laughs> I'm calling. There's right. absolutely no way. Thanks for hanging out this week, guys. We hope y'all have a good week, and we'll catch you all the next time. Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs>